All right, and welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play Podcast. Um, we're getting into some interesting stuff here with the NFL. Um, you know, we're getting into kind of that mid-season time. Uh, everything's starting to really pick up. You know, we're starting to separate uh, the the winners from the losers, I guess you could say. Um, we're going to start with some intros. I'm Zach. And I'm Eve. And uh, we're ready to hop right in here. Uh, I'm not going to waste any time. Um for starters, I guess we'll you know always like to touch on a little bit of NHL stuff. Um, not really been any any news uh, or big updates. You know, we had Taylor Hall sign with Buffalo. Uh, that was the big news. That was about a week ago. Um, you know, the big prize free agent. Um, but otherwise, you know, any signings have just been kind of you know depth minor, uh, just kind of you know minor league depth uh, type moves. Um, but overall, they're still shooting for a January first start date. Um, but it may end up being February 1st, depending on, uh, how everything looks. Um, that might but, make the most sense if I, that might make the most sense to start February 1st, just so you can get the teams a little bit more healthy and get prepared for j- just a little bit more rest before they do start the season. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree. I think, I think January 1st would be kind of cool. You know, it'd be a, a cool way to, you know, start it right out the new year, but I think February 1st is certainly, um, a little more realistic, you know, that gives them all of, uh, November, December and, uh, you know, part of January to really figure out where they're going to play, how they're going to do it. Um, yeah, I got you there. You know, if they travel or if they get into bubbles, but you know, we'll see. Um, Batman's got his hands full. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, we're going to get right into it. Um, a game that I am very happy. I pricked wrong last week. Uh, when I said that the Browns would beat Steelers um let's get right into the Steelers absolutely (laughs) dominating the Browns 38 to 7 as convincing a win as we've seen all season uh what do you think you know just uh, I obviously love to see that I was happy all day just to see how complete the Steelers played and first off we're going to start with Steelers defense completely dominated the entire game they forced two interceptions, one of which was a pick six made by our man, Mika Fitzpatrick. They also got four sacks. Uh, they stopped the run game completely, and they made Baker Mayfield uncomfortable. And I can remember last week when we were predicting these games, I picked the Steelers, and that was one of the things I said they needed to do to win this game. And the other, and the others, they were – they were right up there too. And um, also last week during the podcast, I we had talked about if we were worried about the Steelers secondary. And I had said that I wasn't worried about them. I just asked that they stepped up. And boy, did they step up in a huge way. Two picks out of the secondary, and they – completely made OBJ and Jarvis Landry non-factors in the game. They did leave Rashard Higgins wide open for this for the Browns only touchdown, but that really didn't matter. So that was great. And then let's switch it over to the offense side of the ball. Chase Claypool. He balled once again, scoring a touchdown on the ground, catching one deep ball that went inside the five yard line. And on the very next play, James Conner scored for a touchdown. Speaking of James Conner, that run game was on fire. That was one of the big reasons why the Steelers won this game. And then let's turn our attention to Ben Roethlisberger, too. I mean, sure, he didn't do much. He completed 14 passes for 
22 attempts for like 162, 163 yards in that in that good pass to James Washington for a touchdown. But at the end of the day, he didn't need to do much because the run game was perfect. And then the defense was the defense scored a touchdown and they were playing really well. So Ben was just a game manager in there and we all love to see it. Yeah, I got to say, going to the going back to the secondary, something I kind of have harped on really since the start of the podcast is Minka needing to make a splash. Um, you know, I had mentioned previously uh, that you know, as a DB, not having your name mentioned is kind of a compliment and some of the best things you can have. Um, but I mean, he finally, you know, was that ball hawking safety again and just kind of showed in 15, 20 seconds why you don't throw anywhere near him. Um, because if you're throwing a double coverage and he's one of the two guys, you're probably not going to like the result. Um, that was an easy pick six there. Um, I think my favorite thing was the photo they showed of uh, Mike Hilton running behind Minka, uh, pointing right over at Baker, smiling, laughing, you know, totally calling him out, you know, kind of telling him he was a little stupid for throwing the ball there. Um, you know, getting into the pass rush, I think, I think it was really summed up well. I was listening to a segment uh, on a Yahoo Sports Talk um, that all of the D linemen fight each other for sacks. It's not like the Rams where it's Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. You know, the the now Texans minus Clowney, just J.J. Watt. You know, like they got Dupree, they got T.J. Watt, they got Hayward, they got Tuitt, they got Hilton blitzing from the secondary, they got Minka blitzing from the secondary. I mean, they got six pass rushers essentially if you think about it. Don't forget Tyson Wal- Alu Alu. Yeah, another guy. I mean, he's he's another guy that steps in. So seven, you know, and then you have those plays where before Bush got hurt, he was he was pass rushing. You know, um, Spillane, same same thing. He's going to do it. Um, he's a quick guy. A little Mac football action there. A little Maction. Um, Love to see that. Oh, absolutely, big fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, the secondary four picks in the last two games. Uh, last week, two by Steve Nelson. This week, one by. Uh, Cam Sutton and one by Minka. Um, the defense is just unbelievable. Um, the most complete game I think I've ever seen out of the Steelers in the last you know three four years. Um, you know the run game as dominant as it could be. You know Connor over five yards a carry. Um, you know Benny Snell even looked good. You know he gets those tough yards. You know he's never going to be or he's not right now a four or five yards a carry kind of guy. Minus week one. Um, but you know, he's going to get you those three, four tough yards you need, you know, on a, a second and seven to make it a third and manageable or, a you know, a third and two, he's going to pick that first down up. Um, Claypool just unreal, you know, drew comparisons to Megatron once again, uh, after this effort, you know, four for 74 and even that running touchdown once again, um, he's just a freak. Uh, there's, it's such a mismatch and it's unfair. Um, and then, uh, you know, the pump fake touchdown to Washington, that's vintage Ben just getting two defense, two DBs to bite on a pump fake and leave Washington 20 yards wide open. I mean, all, all I could think of was, you know, the, the mid two 2010s when Ben was just <laughs> absolutely making secondaries look dumb. Um, but yeah, it looked dumb there. Yeah. I mean, it was as good a game as we've seen. Um, so I agree with everything you said. Yes. And then, um, there was one other thing that, uh, let's switch over to the Brown side here real quick. But, um, I was listening a lot to, uh, ESPN and Fox, uh, yesterday and a little bit today. They didn't talk about it that lot today, but 
especially yesterday, they were talking about how they're giving up on Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They're saying that they shouldn't, that the Browns should just move on from Baker, not pick up his fifth year option and look for a new quarterback. Zach, uh, do you agree with that at all? Or should, should they, or should they stick with Baker? See, I don't know. I think part of their issue, you know, for the last 15, 18 years is that they don't stick it out with a quarterback. I mean, you think back, you know, they had Deshaun Kaiser. He played about like six games. They gave uh, Colt McCoy a chance for a season and a half. Um, you know, Johnny Manziel turned out to be nothing. You know, they give these guys like, same with their head coaches, they give nobody a chance. Now, granted, they're going 2-14, and 0-16, oh, what have you. But um, I think Baker's got the talent to, to turn it around. They just need to quit playing for the eye and play for the team. You, know, you look at Odell, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he was undressed. Jersey pulled up over his shoulder pads, pads unbuckled, shoes off, basically walking around in bare feet, mouthing off to, to fans. I mean, to me, I think that he either needs to request a trade and get out and go somewhere that he's going to succeed because that's clearly all he wants is to be the number one guy, um, or the Browns just need to kind of ship him off. I think that they need to figure out an identity to be a we team. I think Baker brings that, but I think that the guys who play for themselves far outnumber the guys who play for the team, which is going to end up hurting them in the long run. And it's going to, it's going to screw Baker even more. I like Baker Mayfield. I'm a fan of his, I wasn't a fan of him going number one. Um, but I, I want to see him succeed, but at the same time, I just don't think it's going to be, uh, in Cleveland. See, I can agree with you with the fact that OBJ does need to request a trade because whenever he has a bad game, he's always going to complain. He's just that guy that's like, if I'm not targeted, if I'm not having a big game, I want it. Then he's just going to throw a fit. So I do think the Browns probably should end that relationship now. I it's tough to say because when you got a young, talented quarterback like Baker Mayfield, you want to get him all the talent that he can, that he ha- yeah, that he can. But at the same time, if he's just going to be a distraction and a diva, you just got to get rid of that. But um, as for Baker, see, I'm not worried about him. No, I am worried about I am worried about him, but I'm not giving up on him just yet. See, we have not. Baker has not been the same since his rookie year. And part of the issue is that he seems to panic a lot when he's under pressure, when he's got pressure in his face, or when his main read isn't there for his passing attempts. And that can lead to mistakes. And we've seen that throughout his career. Whenever he makes whenever he's got pressure in his face, he throws an interception. He holds onto the ball too long and takes a sack. He fumbles the ball whenever defensive lineman gets into his face. So the mistakes by Baker are when pressure are pressure is in his face. And then I want to go back to Stefanski back when he was with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Because when Stefanski was there, they were they were also a run first team to make Kirk Cousins to take less pressure off of Kirk Cousins. You just hand it off to Dalvin Cook. And then that sets up the play action pass for Kirk Cousins to hit Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs back when he was still with the Vikings. But now, but 
when the running game was shut down, then Kirk then defenses made Kirk Cousins try to beat them, and that just wasn't it. The same thing could be said here with Baker. When you shut down the Browns running game, which the Steelers did, they had they said to Baker, hey, we're going to make you beat us. And they knew that Baker couldn't beat Baker couldn't beat the Steelers on his own. Yeah, I think it's put really well. Um, I think that he definitely is a guy who scrambles, you know, panics a little too much. Um, I think what they need to do is instead of putting all the talent into their wide receivers and tight ends, um, you need to put some of it into the line. You know, you get, you have Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt, you have one of the best one-two running back duos in the league. Um, But I think what you really need to look at is getting a couple, you know, tackles, get a tackle, get a guard, you know, solidify that O-line because if you keep the pressure off of him, you know, you can slow down other teams that only have that one pass rusher. Now, granted, you you face us, you know you're going to see 50% pressure in a game. Um, So it's kind of hard to say that's the cure-all against the Steelers or potentially the Ravens, but, um, you know, it'll, it'll fix it against the Bengals. It'll fix it against, you know, the third best team, in each division that you're going to play across the course of the season, um, you know, by finishing third in our division, I think that you got to give him a chance. You got to keep Stefanski there. You know, this, this thing where they're moving on from a coach every year, every other year, you don't allow a system to set itself up. You know, you make these moves for, for one coach and then you bring in another and you got all of the previous coaches players and he has to change his system or modify his system to fit the players that were left, you know, for the new coach. So um, it's, it's like the whole thing of, you know, what everybody was saying, Tom Lamont with Cowers players, you know, sure. It's because you had a system and Tomlin pretty much just copied it. But if you're bringing in a guy with a totally different view and you're playing defense first, and then you bring an offensive minded coach in, you know, you have defensive minded players essentially across the field and you have to make them a totally different player. So, um, I think you got to give Baker a little more time, give him that fifth year. You know, if he's as bad as this next year, then you can kind of say, you know, it's time to move on. We'll, we'll look elsewhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I can agree with you on that. I, I, like I said, I am worried about him, but I'm not giving up on him just yet. So it does take time. I will say that. And it doesn't help when Baker Mayfield has had what was it, four head coaches within the last three seasons, something like that? Yeah, so, something like that. Because Kitchens didn't yeah. even make it through a full season. No, no, he – well, I mean, he he made it through one season, but yeah, but that was it. Yeah, I maybe it was the guy before him that was that – was Yeah, it was – um, it was Hugh – it was Hugh Jackson. Yeah. It was Hugh Jackson his rookie year, and then he got fired after the Steeler game, and then it was Greg Williams. I really thought they should have just went with Greg Williams – yeah, I thought he was a pretty good option, but all of them lose their job when they play when they lose to the Steelers. So, <laughs> yeah, but I, I can I can also agree with you. I think they definitely need to stay with Stefanski because he is by far a better head coach than Freddie Kitchens, or he's he's their best head coach in years. And I think he could definitely develop Baker, but at the same time, the Browns are a run first team, so that's what they need to stick with. Obviously, when your run game gets shut down, like I said, you, you have to make Baker try to beat you, and that's just not going to work. So 
we'll see what happens. Uh, they play Cincinnati this week, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But anyway, let's move on to the other dominant game of the week, and that was the Buccaneers-Packers game. And the Bucks beat the Packers 38-10. to We both picked the Packers to win this game, but boy, were we wrong in this. Aaron Rodgers was struggling big time, had two interceptions, and his offensive line just couldn't block for him. So, Zach, do you think this Packers loss was a big deal? You know, I find it hard to call a big deal, you know, a team's first loss. You know what I mean? You know, you're 4-0 going in, and the Buccaneers are 4-1, so you were clearly seeing two of the better teams in the NFL in terms of how they've played throughout the season. You know, the Buccaneers, as, as we've been talking about, they've been playing better and better. Um, you know, they're getting healthier. Um, you know, Brady's finally, you know, he's managing better. Ronald Jones is playing ridiculously well, uh, running the football. Um, but they had Godwin back, you know, Gronk was heavily involved at five for almost 80 yards, you know, and a touchdown. Um, you know, it's kind of that classic Brady Gronk there. Um, you know, Evans only had one catch for 10 yards, so he wasn't really needed to step up in this game. Um, but I think the bigger storyline was how much Rogers struggled. Um, you know, you always know that he'll have a dud game here and there. Um, it's just kind of expected, you know, he'll go probably the next four or five games, you know, one interception and like 15 touchdowns somehow. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think that it's definitely a little bit of an overstatement to, to call it a big deal. I'd say it's something that they should keep their eyes on, you know, because you don't want to struggle the way that they did, you know, games coming moving forward, um, especially when they're going to be playing the likes of, uh, you know, let me pull this up here, you know, Minnesota, you know, they're going to play the, the 49ers in two weeks. Um, you know, you got two games with the Bears left. They got the Titans at the end of the season. They got a lot of games. So you got to make sure you get it all rectified. And I think that they will. Um Plus, it was Devontae Adams' first game back from injury, so he wasn't going to be the same. Um, I think the bigger storyline, though, is how well the Bucks' defense played. Um, Brady didn't even have to throw the ball for you know, more than 200 yards, but that defense, they really stepped up in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. You said it perfectly. I, it's not a big deal for the Packers to lose this game because it's just, it's just one game. And like you said, they were 4-0 going into this game. And I'd like to stay that they were coming off a bye week. And everybody is a little rusty when coming off a bye week. Plus, the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had a bad game. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna deny that. He he had a bad game. And everybody has a bad game nowadays. But also exactly what you said. You gotta give a lot of credit to the Buccaneers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They had five sacks two interceptions, one of which also went for a touchdown, and they neutralized Rodgers. It really seemed like the Buccaneers were in Rodgers' face the entire game. And like you said, too, Brady didn't need to do anything. He was basically what Ben – he basically did what Ben Roethlisberger did against the Browns. He was a game manager, and he, he didn't need to do much but hand, hand the ball off. And he and Gronk connected for the first time in Tampa, so that, that was – a familiar sight to see. And then he connected with that rookie. I think his name was Johnson. Honestly, he kind of, he kind of reminds me of Deontay Johnson because he also wears 18 and obviously his last name is Johnson. (laughs) Kind of funny there, but uh, also the Packers had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. 
we saw David Batiari go down, I think, in the second quarter or third quarter, one of he the was two. right after half. Okay, yeah, so it was like the th- second half, third quarter. We When we saw him go down, the, the Packers just couldn't stop the Buccaneers' pass rush. So you got to give a lot of credit to the Buccaneers' defense, but uh, this is not a big deal for the Packers. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really all that really that needs to be said about it. Um, it's just one of those games that, you know, you uh, you don't really need to think too much into. You just kind of move on from it, get on to the next one. Um, you know, as Bill Belichick likes to say, on to Cincinnati. <laughs> um, we'll move on to uh, our next game here. We got the Titans escaping the Texans. And, uh, you know, we had a point here about Mike Vrabel being an absolute genius. Um you know, a guy who played for Belichick, a guy who learned Belichick's ways, literally pulled the biggest Bill Belichick I've ever seen outside of New England. I mean, told one of his defensive players to run out on the field into the huddle, don't sub anybody out, stay 12 men, let the play happen. You know, the guy who should have subbed out was just kind of standing like, what in the heck is going on here? Why am I not coming out? But also, why did he come in? Because like that's not what's supposed to happen. The Texans snap the ball, flags go for too many men on defense, which stops the clock at 304. The Texans score, and the Titans score to tie the game with four seconds left. So if that doesn't happen, I mean, they don't have the time to 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 march down the field and score there, get into OT, and I mean, let Derrick Henry be Derrick Henry. Absolute genius. I completely agree with you. He's just, he learned everything about being a head coach from Bill Belichick. And when you learn from Bill Belichick, you're obviously going to pick up a few things and be successful. There's just, there was, there was three minutes and 30 seconds left to go in that game. And they were, and the Titans were down by one point. It was 30 to 29. It was a second and one. So yeah. And then when Vrabel sent in that 12th man, everybody was so confused too but it ended up being a genius call. And I think what was even more genius was the fact that he faked being upset about the call when in reality he was like, Oh, that was my plan all along. So yeah, that was, that was awesome too. <laughs> a lot of acting. <laughs> that, that was just perfect acting right there. It, it was just so cool to see. It, it really was. Um, I, I want to get into the Texans here real quick. I know we don't have it in our, notes here but uh they made a questionable call too Romeo Cannell decided to make a questionable call in this game after the Texans scored after that penalty they decided to go for two they were already up by seven and they decided yeah they decided to go for two so you almost think why didn't they just kick the field goal to go up by eight and make the Titans have to go for two I, I just don't understand that that coaching. Yeah, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you think about it, you go up by, you know, you're going up by eight if you kick the extra point. And, you know, it's essentially scoring a touchdown and then another touchdown from the two-yard line. Now, granted, you got to think with how the game was going, they were just going to give the ball to Derrick Henry and he was going to pull seven guys into the end zone with him. Um, but, you know, I agree. I get it. If you go up by nine, there's no way there's enough time for the Titans to win, right? So I get it, but I don't get it. I think the safe play would have been to kick the extra point and take your bet on your defense because 
granted, you weren't stopping Derrick Henry all game, as evidenced by the fact he went for over 200 yards. Um, I just don't – I didn't get it, and I think it was stupid. But, um, you know, it's one of those decisions that as a, as a team that's under 500, you almost have to take those gambles to try and get some wins and get back into it. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. It's just I, I get it, but I don't get it. Like I get, I get the fact that you're a one, you're you were a one in four football team before the loss, so you obviously got to do something to save your season and at least have a chance. But at the same time, you kick the you kick the extra point to go up by eight. You're like, okay, we're gonna make we're gonna make Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry beat us beat us on that two-point conversion play. Now, give and take, I mean, they probably would have gotten it with Derrick Henry because no one can stop that guy. I mean, hopefully the Steelers can this weekend, but we'll get into that later. But it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. They Romeo Cornell made a questionable call, and ultimately that's what cost him some jobs while he was head coach, when he was a coach, head coach in Cleveland, Kansas City. Uh, I forget if he had coached anywhere else, but that's ultimately what costed him his head coaching jobs. And now I'm, he's not going to keep this head coaching job this year. I think he's definitely more fit for the Texans as their defensive coordinator. But at the same time, you just got to learn from the past and be like, okay, we're up by eight. We were up by eight. If we kick the, the PAT but at the same time, I also get it. Cause if you make the two point conversion, Yice the game, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see what the Titan, if the Texans can fix that. Probably not. Their season's tech pretty much over at this point. But let's move. Let's move on here. Next game we got we got the Broncos who defeated the Patriots by not scoring a touchdown. I think yeah. the last time. I think one of the last times we saw that was the Steelers beating the Chiefs in that divisional playoff game. Yeah, I think that might be one of the last, like the the last one that I can really think of. Um, yeah, I was kind of trying to follow all the games. Um, I kept looking at the score, like so like, it just slowly inched up by three. You know, McManus's leg was getting tired, man. I mean, you know, they 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 put up eighteen points and kicked six field goals. <laughs> Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's certainly a, a, an interesting way to win. Um, I don't it's know. It's not the way you want to win. Right. I mean, you definitely want to find the end zone a couple times. You want to make it convincing and winning by six field goals, you know, as your only offense. I don't right. think it's a great sign. Um, granted, you know, the Broncos are a team that's lo- that's missing everybody. <laughs> look at their Look at their lineup, point out a position, somebody's probably hurt. Um, you know, they just got Philip Lindsay back and then Melvin Gordon was sick. Drew Locke. They also did get, yeah. They also did get back Drew Locke. Yeah. You get Drew Locke, but he's coming off of missing how many, how many games being injured, how many times this season, um, I mean, on defense, they have next to nothing. Um, but really I think, I think it's just kind of a weird game. You know, those kind of games are hard to really put a lot of stock into in terms of yeah. who played well, who played bad. I think it was just generally a bad game for everybody. Um, yeah. It's like a tank bowl style game, you know, when you got two O and 11 teams fighting it out to go and 12, get that top pick. Um, I don't know. I think that that's it. I wouldn't worry about new England. Um, 
it's tough because they're not saying they're not the same New England. I mean, they're not the team that you put you know uh, eighteen point favorites on them to beat this team like you would have last year. Um, I think it's certainly something that Belichick needs to look at a little closer. Um, being that they, aside from Cam Newton, had zero run game. I mean, they had nothing. Cam Newton ran for almost seventy yards, and the next closest running back was at nineteen. I mean, you almost think maybe the Patriots should have gone out and signed Le'Veon Bell, but you know. Yeah, I actually didn't even think of that. I mean, it, it would have been a good move. Um, I think I think the Bills were close to doing it, but the Bills or Miami, I think, were close to doing it. But then New England came in all of a sudden out of nowhere. But all of a, but we all know where he ended up. So. Yeah, I mean, he goes to the Chiefs. I think he went there simply because he knows that they're a team that, um, you know, likes to just print five-year contracts at a ridiculously affordable uh, value and just yeah. hand them out. Yeah, um, I don't know where they get that money from, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know how they keep it under the cap. I mean, I really don't get where how they're keeping it there. But you know, you got Newton. You know, he passed for 150 yards, ran for you know 75, and. Their running back, James White, led the team in receiving with eight receptions for 65. The first receiver at the top of the list had three for 38. So even Newton had a reception for 16 yards from Edelman. Edelman was two for two for uh, 38, kind of a all-pro quarterback there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's just, again, one of those games that, you know, both teams were kind of struggling. Um and that'll happen. You know, it's it's something that the Patriots are now not the same team. Like I said, they're under 500 at 2 and 3, which is something I don't think we've ever seen in our lifetime um that we can remember, but you know, it's uh it's certainly not a huge deal to me. Yeah, it's definitely weird to see the New England Patriots under 500 because it's like you said, I mean, we we don't see that normally from New England. But it's definitely not time to hit the panic button on them yet because history will tell us that when the media and fans and other people hit the panic button or just give up on New England completely, they prove everybody wrong. Now, history will also tell us is that they had Brady back then when they proved everybody wrong. Now they have Cam Newton. But the one thing we also got to understand is that Cam Newton hadn't played in two weeks because remember he, he was, he had COVID and then, then the Patriots had that unexpected bye week. So yeah, Cam Newton's last game was like two weeks ago. So he was definitely rusty. He threw two interceptions and then all all the other stats that you said, but Belichick will definitely bounce back. Um, Oh man, I forget who they play this weekend, but yeah, if there's one thing we know that Belichick will get his team ready for this upcoming game and there's hope for it because there's hope for the Patriots too, because they didn't allow Denver to score a single touchdown. They held them to six field goals. So that's something that you got to be a little bit proud of, but at the same time, you'd, you'd rather you'd rather like force a turnover or do something else. And you'd rather have your offense score more points than your defense allowing six field goals. 
I think one thing to take out of the six field goals is two of them were over 50 yards and another two were between 40 and 49. Um, so clearly they weren't even really getting into the red zone, the Broncos. Um, yeah, but once you get to that kind of like 30-yard line, it's just practically automatic for a lot of kickers now um, in terms of having the leg to make the kick. And McManus has a leg to make 70-yard kicks in pregame. Um, so to have only two field goals inside of 40 yards, I mean, it means you're keeping them out of the red zone. You're doing a solid job. Granted, I don't know if there were any like 19 yarders that, you know, little chip shots. Um, but I guess that is one takeaway for the Patriots defense. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It's just the, the Patriots defense definitely played better than the Patriots offense, but at the same time, the Patriots offense did need to step up. And I know Bill Belichick probably obviously was not happy about the way the how the offense played, but he'll get them ready for this week. I will, we know that for a fact. Definitely, I agree. Um, moving on here, we have the the Chiefs beating the Bills um, on the ground. I mean, Clyde Edwards Edwards Hilaire going for almost 170 yards on the ground. Um, Kelsey th- got two touchdowns through the air. Um, it was pretty much just a you know, old school pound the ground style game for the Chiefs. I think Hilaire was over eight yards per carry. Um, just an absolutely ridiculous game. Um, you know, Buffalo losing two in a row. What do we make of it? What are your What are your thoughts? You know, I'm not too concerned with Buffalo right now, just because Josh Allen is still playing at a great level. Now he didn't have the best game. He didn't have the best game on Monday, but he, he he still got it. He still drove his team. He still got his team back into the game. It was like twenty three. It was twenty three to seventeen, and all the Bills' defense had to do was make a stop and get, give the ball back to Josh Allen because I do think Josh Allen could have could have came back and won the game for the for the Bills, but. At the end of the day, I'm not worried about them. Josh Allen will still play at an MVP level that he he's ever that he's played this entire season. But we got to give credit to the Kansas City Chiefs defense. After giving up 41 points to Derek Carr and the Raiders, they really stepped up and neutralized the Bills' red hot offense. I mean, it's like I said, Josh Allen only passed for like 130-some yards or something like that. It, it was just a bad game for Josh Allen, and the, the Chiefs did a great job of neutralizing him. And then the Chiefs' offense, too, is that, like like you said, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had over, had over 100 rushing yards, but that the Chiefs' offense in general had over 200 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean – the Chiefs defense played really well, um, especially to keep, you know, Allen in check. Um, Singletary and Zach Moss, the two running backs for the Bills, uh, pretty much under wraps the whole game. Um, the only thing I'll say about the Bills, they have the bounce back game coming next week to end all bounce back games facing the lowly 0-6 New York Jets. Um, I mean... If you want to get yourself back on track, that's one way to do it. You know, but they did lose to the Titans and the Chiefs, two of the three best teams in the AFC. 
Um, I'm not too worried. I think they're still going to win their division. I think they're still going to get you know to the to the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, I think they're too good not to, and I think they're you know playing together enough. I think you know they're just hitting that kind of rough patch. Um, they'll get it together. You know, coming up they have you know, like I said the Jets, then they'll have the Patriots, Seattle, and Arizona. So these next four weeks are kind of crucial for them. Um, you need to win the next two games. If you lose to Seattle or, or Arizona, it's not a huge deal. Um, and they have a late bye, um, you know, to end their season. They it's not going to be easy for them. You know, Chargers, 49ers, Steelers, and then you know three games. One of those being the Patriots. Um, so they definitely have a tough schedule. But I think that these next four weeks are really going to be the tell, uh, the telling signs for what they're going to be doing the rest of the year. Exactly. I mean, they definitely need to go on a little bit of a win streak here, just so they can keep that steady lead in the division because believe it or not, the Miami dolphins are one game out of first place in that division. And that's so weird to say because we've always known Miami to be at the bottom of the division. And now they got Tua starting here after the bye week. We'll see how he does in his first ever start. But at the same time, I'm not worried about Buffalo just because the, the division they play in right now, I I expect them to beat Miami. Miami, I expect them to beat New England twice, and obviously, like you said, bounce back game this week against the Jets. If if you lose to the Jets, that's just embarrassing because they're the worst football team in the NFL. So they they should for sure win this game. One other thing I wanted to point out for the Chiefs in Monday's game was that Patrick Mahomes again didn't need to do much. He, it was like he played just – it was he was a game manager like Brady and Roethlisberger were on Sunday because Patrick Mahomes didn't need to throw for 350 yards or 400 yards. He did pass for 200 yards, over 200 yards, and um, threw those two touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey. But at the same time, just he did not need to be the hero in that game. Definitely. I think that was the story of a lot of games this week was that um, quarterbacks really didn't have to do a whole lot. They, you know, there was a lot of big name quarterbacks that didn't, you know, throw for the customary 300 yards, three touchdowns, um, you know, a couple touchdowns, you know, 150, 170 yards for a lot of these guys. And, um, you know, the league was at a point where everybody was throwing for 400 a, a, a game and it's starting to be a run heavy league again. Um, you know, Part of that is the ebbs and flows of as it gets pass heavy, DBs become the priority for defenses. And they sacrifice up front. So now as soon as it goes run heavy up front, you know it's just going to be one of those back and forth things. But um, kind of interesting to to look at. Um, one other thing is you pointed out surprises about the Dolphins being in that division. Um, you know, in it as in in the race. Uh, I think we need to. We don't really have it in our notes, but just touch upon lightly the NFC East as we talk about it every week. The one and five Giants and the one and five Washington football team are one game out of first place in that division. So <laughs> I tweeted that out yesterday and I was like, because after the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals, I was just like, I can't believe the Giants are one game out of first place in that division at one in five. Yeah. One in five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were 0 and 5 going into this week. Finally won a game. The Washington football team are going the other direction. You know, started 1 and 0, now 1 and 5. But 
it's terrible. I mean, the, the Cowboys were a team that we thought kind of were going to just have the division, but without Dak, I mean, I know you have to have a playoff team from that division, but can uh, can Goodell change that for a year? You know, make two from you know the NFC West or something or the North, whatever. Um, yeah, that's that's a mess. Just thought it needed to be pointed out since it wasn't really in our uh, in our notes. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. And speaking of the NFC East, the Ravens had a bit of a scare there, beating the Philadelphia Eagles. 30 to 28. Uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles went for two uh, towards the end of the game there to try to tie the game up. And the Ravens stuffed him because uh, it was a Carson Wentz. Like he tried to run it outside and that play just didn't work. I think it was a broken up play from what I saw. But, you know, I, I don't know if this question should be even asked because we don't even know who the favorite is to win the NFC East. But I said, should Philly be favored to win the NFC East? based off of their performance against Baltimore. Um, with the state of the Cowboys um, and kind of, you know, calling out their coaches today about not being prepared for games um, and having Andy Dalton at, at, at quarterback, I think if the Eagles can get healthy now, that's a huge if. They have no receivers healthy. Miles Sanders is hurt now. Um, their defense needs to get healthy as well. But I think if they can get healthy and healthy in a hurry, they have a shot. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I feel a little crazy saying it, but I think they have a shot. It's not a good one. This is not going to be a 13-3 and three, um, Philadelphia Eagles team. Obviously, it can't be at 1-4-1, and one, but um, I think that at like 8-7-1, and one, they might win that division. Yeah. It's a stretch, but you know, yeah. going seven and three the rest of the way. Uh, I'm going to go take a look at their schedule here. They got the Giants twice. They got Dallas twice. They got Washington once. Um, there is a three game stretch. Uh, it's at week 12, 13, 14, where they have Seattle, Green Bay, and the Saints. Um, they kind of have to win every other game to get to that eight, seven, and one, you know, beating Dallas and the Giants twice. Uh, the Browns, Cardinals, and the Washington football team one more time. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. I don't think they have an easy enough schedule to do it. But, I, again, if they get healthy, there might be a under 500 record to win a division in, this, in the NFL this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just because, like you said, I mean, the, the, the NFC East is just terrible, and the Eagles will have to go on a – win streak here to at least try to stay in that division. And then when you have to play Seattle, Green Bay, and New Orleans, that's just a tough three-game stretch. Even if they win one if they win one of those games, they definitely have a shot at winning that division and making the playoffs. And they'll definitely beat – I think they'll at least beat the Giants once, and I think they'll at least beat the Cowboys once. And they in their division may go three and three and they they would probably win it. But it's just so hard to say because of the all the injuries that the Eagles have. They just lost Zach Ertz for a few weeks and they just lost Miles Sanders for a few weeks. So I, I don't know who their backup tight end is. I don't know who their backup running backs are, but those guys are for sure going to have to step up. 
and just for the Cowboys too, because the NFC, you would think with a Super Bowl winning head coach like Mike McCarthy and all the talent that they have on offense, that they would be the favorites to win this division by a landslide. Now, obviously, it doesn't help when Dak Prescott's out for the year and you have Andy Dalton at the helm, but you would still at least think that they would somehow scratch out a few wins here. There's certainly time um, for Dallas to put it together, but I don't know. Like you said, the whole Super Bowl winning coach, it's interesting, again, like I, like I said before, that the players anonymously called out the coaching staff uh, earlier today. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know what's really going on, who it could have been. You know, that's the whole thing is obviously anonymity kind of throws it for a loop. But, yeah, that division is just a mess. I don't I don't know where to go with it. It's tough. Um, and to your point, Dallas is back up – or not Dallas, the Eagles back up tight end is Dallas Goder. I think he's hurt. I think he's on IR. And, and Boston Scott is their backup running back. So – they uh, they're hurting right now. Like I said, they need to get healthy in a hurry if they want to have any shot. Um, yeah. But scary as it sounds, at one four and one, they're half a game out of first place. So um, that's just yeah, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But uh, moving on to another NFC East team, the Cowboys. As we talked about, you know, the players calling out the coaching staff, um, the Cardinals a third just dominant performance of the week beating the Cowboys yeah. 38 to 10. Um, another game in which a big name quarterback did not have to do much of anything as Kyler Murray threw nine complete passes out of 24 for 188 yards and two touchdowns um, ran for 75 on the ground. As we know, he's a dual threat, but Kenyon Drake uh, finally comes out of the, out of the basement and just, Runs for 164 yards and two touchdowns. Um, finally gets up there. Um, you know, the Cardinals just from the start of this game, similar to the Steeler game, you could just kind of tell it was not even close. You know, that was a whole storyline of this week was dominating. It, like, it seems like every team that every team that dominated this week scored 38 points and held them to at least – 10 or 7 points. I I just I just thought about that cuz the Steelers beat the Browns 38 to 7, Bucks beat the Packers 38 to 10, Cardinals beat the Cowboys 38 to 10. Must so, be the magic number 38. <laughs> exactly, 38 is the magic number. So, but yeah, just like like we said, I mean, when the Cowboys players called out the coaching staff, that that just tells you that things are not going well for your team. For your team and I really thought that at least my I really thought Mike McCarthy would change would get rid of that Jason Garrett you know system and try to build up a system of his own because he had a lot of success with Green Bay obviously winning a Super Bowl there with Aaron Rodgers but Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy obviously didn't get along that's what obviously ended that relationship and um he he probably could have he probably could have uh he still has time. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, a horrible head coach, but he's just not having a great year so far with the Cowboys. And and if that Cowboys coaching staff is on is unprepared, that pretty much tells you is that they're slacking off or they're, they're doing something wrong. 
and they really need to do something. Maybe calling out the head coaches was a great thing for, for them. So now the coaches can look back and say, okay, well, we're doing something, we're doing something wrong. The players aren't, we are. So let's go, let's figure out what this problem is and let's turn it around. Yeah, I agree. Kind of a wake up call um, that they might need. Um, You know, I think we, we bash on the Cowboys, the NFC East a lot, but it's definitely not, you know, without, uh, without premise. Um, So let's move on now to there's three unbeaten teams left in the NFL, the Seahawks, the Steelers and the Titans. Which one do you think has the best chance to go 16 and 0? Now, granted, Steelers and Titans play this week, so there's only going to be at most two left. Which ones do you think goes to, could go 16 and 0? To me, it has to be the Steelers. Just because uh they're the more complete team. And we saw it on Sunday and we've seen it most of the year. But the Steelers are the most complete team, and I think they have the best chance to go 16-0. Not saying that they will, but I think they have the best chance to because look at their defense. Their defense is playing at an unbelievable level. That front seven, that their defensive line is probably the best defensive line in the NFL. Their pass rush is just great. Their linebackers are playing at an unbelievable level. I mean – Steelers just lost Devin Bush for the year, and I pray that he gets a speedy recovery. But Robert Spillane played pretty well in for Devin Bush, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays against the Titans this weekend. But then on the offensive side of the ball, too, look at Ben Roethlisberger and what he's doing coming off of coming off an injury like he did. 11 touchdowns, over 1,100 yards, and one interception. He's playing at a great level. He's finding receivers. He's not forcing the ball to one person. He's spreading the ball out to his receivers in Claypool, Juju, Eric Ebron, James Washington, and Deontay Johnson when he's healthy. So there's just without a doubt the Steelers have the best chance. Now, the Titans, I know their offense is really good because they have Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill still playing at a great level, but their defense is sus. I just don't know if I can trust them. And then obviously you got Russell Wilson, who's cooking up in Seattle. We all know what he's capable of. We, we've, we give him nothing but praise here on this podcast, like week in and week out, but their defense still is also sus. And I just can't really trust them either. So it's for sure. The Steelers. I love the use of sus twice. Makes me happy. Love to see it in there. <laughs> exactly, dude. Um, I, I agree. I think it has to be the Steelers. I think, um, like you said, they're the most complete. I think the Titans' defense is a little um, questionable sometimes. Um, you know, they rely heavily on Derrick Henry being the workhorse. If they if he's not, then they're definitely in closer games. They're not. Their offense doesn't score as many points. Um, I think Tannehill's kind of. You know, also like Henry, you can go hot and cold. Um, their receiving core, their their top receiver, AJ Brown's back, but they're still missing Corey Davis, who should be back this week, uh, which poses another challenge for the Steelers. But um, again, like you said about the Seahawks as well, I don't think that they will. They play in too good of a division. Um, you know, they got to play the Cardinals, they got to play the 49ers, um, and the Rams. I mean, that division is just stacked. So 
Um, yeah, to me, I think it's gotta be the Steelers. Personally, I don't think there's going to be a 16 and O team in the league this year. Um, it's very hard to do as it's very, uh, seldom been done. Yeah. Um, I don't think there will be, I think that yeah, yeah. of those three teams, the Steelers have the best chance for sure. And I think the Steelers end up with the best record out of the three teams, not 16 and O, but the best record of the three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It's just. Yeah, it's like I said, just the Steelers, more complete team, and I agree with you. I think the Steelers will finish with the best record out of those out of those two other teams, but uh, we'll have to wait and see when the Steelers play the Titans this weekend. We'll get into those game picks here in a little bit. Let's move on here. So last week on the podcast, we went into our top five teams in the NFL, Uh you know, to be honest, I kind of for I think I I think my top five picks last week were Chiefs at number one, Packers at two, Seahawks at three, Ravens at four, and Bills at five. If I remember correctly, I think those were my top five teams. Uh, Zach, if you want to say your top five teams real quick, because I kind of forget who you had. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the order exactly, but I remember it was Green Bay, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Kansas City. So gotcha, yeah. Yeah, um, so um, is, is there any changes that you want to make, or is, is it still the same? Yeah, I'm actually just going to give you a whole list from one to five. Um, I got to put the Steelers at number one. Um, just being complete, you know, after we just talked about them, potentially could be the 16-0 and team. I think I kind of have to put them at number one. <clears throat> number two, I'm going to put uh, Kansas City. Um, just that offense, I think it's one of the most potent teams in the league. Um, number three, I'm going to put Tampa Bay. I got to put Tampa Bay in there, give them some credit. Then I'm going to go Seattle and Tennessee. Those are my top five. Wow. I do like how you put Tampa Bay in there. Yeah. I mean, you do got to give them that credit because they're playing pretty well. So there are changes to my top five teams uh, this week too. Uh, number one, not going to say number one is going to stay the same Kansas city. I still think they're the team to beat in the AFC. Um, obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is is great, great running back. He's ru- playing at an unbelievable level. Patrick Mahomes still playing at a great level, and we will definitely see what Le'Veon Bell will bring to the Chiefs' offense when he plays here this week. Number two, I I got to put the Steelers. I, I was going to say Seattle, but I think just everything that I said, I, I think I got to put the Steelers in number two. Uh, they're, they're, they are the most complete team in the AFC, I feel like, and they definitely have a chance to take on the Chiefs. I don't want to go that far yet because, obviously, being a Steelers fan, I want to f- focus on the game handout this week. But Steelers, for sure, number two. Number three, I'm going to put Seattle. We all know what they're capable of. Russell Wilson, like I said, just cooking up a storm there in, Phil- in uh, <laughs> Philadelphia, Seattle. Number four, I'm going to put Baltimore. No, number four, I'm going to put Tennessee. Not Baltimore, Tennessee. Just because they're also 5-0. and that They are still playing on an unbelievable level. And one name, one name only, Derrick Henry. That's that actually that, that's all that needs to be said there. And then uh, number five, Baltimore. Baltimore just – I still got to put them in the top five because I feel – just because they're the defending AFC North champions, I think that they're – still the team to beat in the AFC North. And I think the Steelers will prove that next weekend when they play them, but I'm still putting Baltimore number five. Interesting. I was also, I was actually going to bring up uh, 
Baltimore if you didn't put them in that we're kind of, you know, we're, we can't forget about them. Um, they're second in the league in terms of points against. Um, the Steelers are number one. They still haven't even given up 100 points, but Baltimore's only given up 104. Um, something alarming to me uh, about Baltimore, um, they are the third best rushing offense, but they're the 31st passing offense. They don't even pass for 200 yards a game. Um, granted, you know, they're not a, they're not a pass heavy team. I get that. Um, you know, last year, Lamar, uh, only threw for 3000 yards, 36 touchdowns. You know, he didn't need to go crazy, um, with his passing yardage, but it's kind of, you know, it's one thing for me, he's got seven touchdowns, one interception, which is a good ratio. Um, but they are a very run heavy team, uh, very similar to the Browns. You see that a lot in the AFC North. It's classic AFC North, but, um, good. I'm glad you got Baltimore in there because, you know, I kind of felt weird leaving them off, but I had to put Tampa in just because of what they're doing now. Yeah, I, and I respect that. I mean, you got to put Tampa in there because they're playing great football at the moment right now. I mean, Tom Brady's still playing at at a high level. That defense, though, really stepping up. But yeah, I mean, Baltimore, though, is just I, – I get it. I mean, yeah, they're a run-first team. We knew that coming into the season. They barely passed it all last year. And I know Lamar Jackson said that he wanted to pass a lot more this year, but seems like it hasn't happened yet. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, it'll be the third in in two weeks from two weeks from Sunday. It'll be a, the third best rushing attack in the NFL against the best pass, the best rushing attack defense in the NFL. So that'll be a good matchup to watch. But right now, obviously, Steelers fan, I'm focusing on Tennessee. So. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's as as good as it can be said. Um, so let's no, go ahead real quick I'll... here. Wait, real yeah. quick here. Sorry, sorry, Zach. Sorry to interrupt. But um, before we get into our game picks here, I I also wanted to touch base on this. Uh, the trade deadline is coming up here in about two weeks, and um, so far I haven't seen any huge names. The only names I have seen so far are John Ross from the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. He wants seems like he wants to be traded. And then David Njoku of the Cleveland Browns, he also wants to be traded before the deadline. He wanted to be traded before the season started, but he sucked it up and still playing for them. But it seems like he wants out. So uh, do you do you see anybody getting traded? This isn't one of those years really where um, there's distinct buyers and sellers. I think a lot of teams are um, really in the middle of the pack. Uh, it's kind of hard to really decipher what they want to do. Uh, there's a number of you know three and three, three and two teams. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to pull up the standings right now. Um, you got New England, Denver, Miami, the Raiders. Uh, they're two and three, three and two. Um, and then you got a couple four and two teams: Indy and Cleveland. Uh, the NFC, same story: Detroit, San Francisco, Carolina, New Orleans. All have three wins, or, uh, two and three wins. And then, you know, Green Bay, Arizona, and the Rams have four. Um, so I think for me, the big thing is that nobody's really said, oh, I'm a seller, I'm a seller, you know, that has pieces. You know, teams like Cincy, the Chargers, Jacksonville, the Jets are all clearly out of it. Um, they, but they don't really have anybody as rebuilding teams. Same with, you know, Washington, the Giants, the Eagles. Um, they're all teams that are kind of, in that basement level, you know, trying to rebuild. So they're not going to move any big pieces, but they don't really have anybody else that needs to be moved. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, John Ross from the Cincinnati Bengals. I remember him coming into the draft and he was, he had amazing speed and could catch the deep ball, but 
ever since he's been in the league, he just hasn't done anything. And maybe you thought with Joe Burrow, they those two could connect. But I understand why he need, he wants traded because, like I said, he hasn't done much in the, since he's been in the NFL. Maybe if he could go to to a new team with a new system, maybe with a better quarterback, may, may, maybe maybe he'll make a difference. We'll have to wait and see. I agree. I think it's it would be it'd be good for him to get a fresh start. He does have that downfield speed. Um, you know, similar to uh, I can't remember his name. He plays for the the Texans. Fuller, uh, Will Fuller, similar build to Fuller. You know, smaller yeah. guy, but extremely fast separation. You know, out of this world. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be a pretty quiet deadline. Um, just there's not a whole lot moving around right now. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, deadline's here in two weeks. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't see any big names leaving, getting traded, or moving teams, but we'll wait and see. So now let's get into our uh, week seven picks. One of our first games of the week are the Browns and the Bengals. We have another AFC North showdown. Browns won the first matchup between the Bengals. Uh, Cleveland obviously coming off a loss against Pitt, a bad loss against Pittsburgh, and then the Bengals coming off a loss to uh, who did they lose to? Oh, Indy. Does Cleveland rebound? Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, you're playing one of the teams that's clearly a rebuilder. Um, you know, certainly AJ Green kind of came to play. Yeah, you know, but and he and Tyler Boyd, you know, simply by volume of trying to catch up with the Colts. Um, I think that the Browns win this one pretty easily. I just don't think that the Bengals have what it takes to keep up. I agree. I think this is a no-brainer. I think Cleveland rebounds. I think they get back to the way that they should be playing football and running the ball with Kareem Hunt, that which sets up the play-action pass for Baker Mayfield to hit OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Uh, we will have to wait and see how Baker Mayfield is feeling because he is a little banged up. He's got some bruised ribs. But at the same time, I, I don't think that will be a – Huge issue, so I for sure see Cleveland winning this game. Uh, our next matchup, we got the uh, Carolina Panthers against the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, NFC South showdown, Panthers playing at a great level. Saints, obviously, we all know what they're about. So does Teddy Bridgewater get a win against his former team? Um, McCaffrey's not going to play, so I'm going to say the Saints win. Uh, I think if McCaffrey plays, it's a different ball game. Um, you got, uh, Robbie Anderson playing really well. Um, a lot of targets, obviously Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. They're all, they're both really good. Um, they're just not getting the same level of targets. Um, you know, even Mike Davis is filling in really nicely for McCaffrey. Um, but I think that the saints coming off a bye are going to be very motivated to, uh, to get the win. Did they just have a bye? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they so did. I thought they did. Sorry, I don't know why I questioned that. <laughs> um, no, no, you're good. Um, yeah, so I think coming off a of bye, I think they'd be playing well. You know, Kamara, I think he was starting to get a little banged up. You know, had that week to rest. Um, maybe get Michael Thomas back, um, Jared Cook. Uh, and I think Breeze is really going to start just airing the ball out. I don't think there's any reason not to. Um, so I think the Saints take it, but I think it's a close game. I don't think it's a shootout um, by any stretch, but it could be, you know, both teams pushing 30 points, maybe into the 30s. Yeah, I mean it's a division match. It's a division matchup, so we should expect it to be a close game. But at the end of the day, I see New Orleans taking this matchup as well. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see if Michael Thomas does come back just because he has been banged up with a with an ankle injury. But interestingly enough, uh, I forget who they played before the bye week. Uh, do you remember? Let me look it up right now. Take two seconds. Let's see. Oh, the Chargers. It was the Chargers on Monday Night Football. It was the Chargers on Monday Night Football. That's right. It just came to me. But uh, Michael Thomas was didn't play in that game because he was suspended by the team for having an altercation at practice with, I think, a coach and a player. Yep, so, punch somebody. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's just not good. So we got to wait and see what – if he's – if he's focused now, if he's ready to come back to the team and be a team player, because it seems to me like Michael Thomas has become more of a diva and more about himself than about the team. Maybe like an Antonio Brown sort of thing. I don't say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I don't think he'll be Antonio. I don't think he'll be like Antonio Brown, but it seems like he's starting to turn into an Antonio Brown. But at the end of the day, um, if they get him back, Drew Brees will have a good day against against the Carolina Panthers and they'll win. Uh, next matchup here, we got the uh, Seahawks and the Cardinals, another division matchup in the NFC West, a uh, battle of uh, two uh, great teams in the NFC West, the uh, Seahawks at four and two, four, no, five and oh, excuse me. And then the Cardinals at four and two. If the Cardinals win, do they have a chance at winning the division? Um, I don't know about winning the division, but certainly making the playoffs. Um, I'm actually picking the Cardinals to win. <clears throat> I think they're going to build on um, a solid running game that they they brought against the Cowboys. Um, certainly, it's harder to run a little against the uh, against the Seahawks and the Cowboys, but you know, I think uh, Murray, you know, he's one of those guys that just runs like the wind whenever he sees fit, um, kind of like Russ used to. Uh, Russ is obviously a little more careful now. Um, you know, I got to think that. You know, Hopkins having kind of a, a a lesser game to his standards, certainly a one reception for 13, and then out of nowhere pulls off a 60-yarder to kind of salvage the day uh, in terms of numbers. Um, but between Christian Kirk, Hopkins, and Larry Fitz is still Larry Fitz. Um, I think they're a good enough team to win, and uh, I think that that's going to be one of the upsets of the week um, that nobody really sees coming. I want to agree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you. And f- the reason I'm going to disagree with you is for one name and one name only, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson will continue to cook. He will continue to play at the MVP level that he has been playing at, and he will pull out the win. I think it'll be a close game because Seattle's defense, like I said, is sus, so it's just not – it's not the best. We'll we'll have to wait and see if they get Jamal Adams back this week. But don't get me wrong. I mean, Kyler Murray is going to put up some points. Uh, I expect him to play at a good level, the level that he played on Monday night. But at the end of the day, I am picking Seattle to win this game by three points. I, I think it'll be a three point margin, and Seattle will win that. Definitely not a bad pick. Um, it's one of those games that can kind of be a toss up. Um, depending on health of the two teams and kind of which offense comes to play. Yeah. Um, so our next game here is going to be the Bucks and the Raiders. Um, the Bucks coming off a very impressive win over the the Packers and the Raiders, um, you know, coming off their their bye week here. So 
Um, kind of an interesting, interesting look as the Raiders are playing pretty well going into this into their bye. Um, and obviously the Bucks are trending upwards. So who do you have here? I got the Bucks just because of their defense. I think their defense continues that momentum that they had against Aaron Rodgers, and they will use that against Derek Carr and the Raiders. I think the Raiders will keep it close just because Josh Jacobs, I expect to have at least at least a 100-yard game and maybe a touchdown or two. And if Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs can connect on the deep ball at least once, I think that keeps them in this game. But at the end of the day, the Bucks have to go Tom Brady, and I expect him to do his job. I expect him to just be that game manager like he was and come out with a win. I agree. I think that uh, the Bucks build off of what they did this week, um, keeping you know Aaron Rodgers in check. I think it's going to be a little bit easier to keep Derek Carr in check. Um, certainly, Josh Jacobs is similar to Aaron Jones, very explosive and one of the better running backs in the league. Um, but they kept him in check as well. Uh, I think it's going to be you know a Buccaneers win. I think that's a pretty um, pretty safe bet there. Um, but yeah, that's you said it pretty well. The defense is just so good, um, and if Gronk uh, gets involved again, I think it's a game that um, that the Raiders just can't contain. Um, so our next game is going to be the Bears and the Rams. Uh, the Bears uh, five and one, looking uh, looking pretty good. Just beat the Panthers this week. Um, and then we got the Rams coming off of uh, coming off of a game where they didn't look as good as they are. Um, lost to the Forty ers but. Um, certainly showed a little bit of promise kind of getting back into it with the run game. Uh, who are you taking? You know, I picked the Bears last week, and it was a pretty good pick for me, but I'm not going to pick them this week. I think the Rams will rebound from their loss against the 49ers. I think Jared Goff will have a better day passing the ball to his receivers, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I think Tyler Higby gets heavily involved in this game, and I think Aaron and Aaron Donald was heavily contained against the 49ers, and that is not easy to do. I think I think he goes off. I think he will destroy the Bears' offensive line, and he will sack Nick Foles at least twice. So I, I got the Rams in this matchup. I have the same. Uh, I went with the Rams. I think that offensively they have more to offer, uh, like you said, between Higby uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Daryl Henderson looks really good running the ball, um, kind of in that running back by committee, but he's very clearly the lead back now. Um, yeah, I think that Aaron Donald gets going. I think that you know their their secondary is too good. I don't think Nick Foles is good enough to handle it. Um, I just think it has the Rams written all over it, similar to a uh, couple years back when they were just an absolute freight train. Um, in our, exactly. In our last game of the week, uh, the battle of uh, the unbeatens, we got the Steelers and the Titans. Um, which team is going to move to 6-0? and See, th- this is really hard for me. It-, it really is because Derrick Henry is just that good of a running back. and But he is going up against one of the best, one of, if not the best, pass, I mean, running defenses in the in the NFL in the Pittsburgh Steelers it's tough for me but I I my gut's telling me the Steelers I, my gut is telling me that the Steelers will pull out this win 
I, I don't think they contain Derrick Henry as well as they've contained Saquon or Kareem Hunt or anybody else. I do think Derrick Henry gets I do think Derrick Henry gets to at least ninety some yards, maybe a hundred, but at the end of the day, I, I would I'm taking Ben Roethlisberger over over Ryan Tannehill. I think he makes more plays than Ryan Tannehill does. And the the Steelers defense will get to Tannehill when the when the Titans do pass the ball. So I'm taking the Steelers. Yeah, I'm taking them too. Um I think they're I think they're going up against a weaker offensive line in the Titans offensive line. Uh, I don't think they're as good. You know, they just have a an absolute monster of a running back, you know, 250 pound running back that can run 22 miles an hour. Um, they did just lose Taylor Luan, by the way, too. Yeah. And that, that, well, that's part of what goes into it. Um, you know, I think that the Browns offensive line is not the best in the world, but they're good enough to, uh, to get the job done with how they run uh, with Kareem Hunt and Chubb. Um, but I think that the, just the the edge rushers, you know, the interior D linemen of the Steelers and Hayward and Tuit and Alu Alu. Um, I think that they're going to just plug up the middle. Um, Henry does get a lot of his yards on, uh, you know, runs just straight up the gut. Um, outside, you know, handoffs pitches aren't really a a big staple for him. Um, and I think that they kind of become neutralized when you see Bud Dupree and TJ Watt coming off either end. Um, so I think for me, the Steelers win. I think we see um, Ben kind of have a big game, you know, 300-some yards, a uh, few touchdowns, you know, maybe an interception um, when you start throwing the ball a lot. But, you know, if you can hand it off to Connor, if he gets 75, 80 yards, I'm happy. Um, but I can see Juju having a big game because with how Claypool's been playing, everyone's going to start keying in on him. Um, you know, and if Johnson's back, it's tough to cover the three of those guys plus James Washington. So, um, I think it's it's Steelers and it's and it's going to be a good game for sure. Well, we both picked the Steelers, so they're probably going to lose to the Titans now. So <laughs> yeah, my my little uh, reverse psychology jinx thing isn't going to come into play this week uh, in yeah. our favor. <laughs> yep. Well, and I I I think the Steelers will will do fine. I I I trust them. I'm confident in them. So I agree. I think they're playing well enough that they can beat anybody right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, this is the end of the podcast, guys. This is the end of episode five. And uh, another successful episode, I'd say. I'd say so, too. Uh, make sure you check out our, our social on, on Twitter, at Red Zone Power Play. You know, Red Z Power P. Um, go ahead and give it a follow. We're going to start getting a little more active on there. Uh, update you guys when the episodes come out. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep, give us a follow. Uh, we'll follow you back, and um, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you next week. All right, see you guys.